Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Sun's Jam Session Podcast, hosted by John and Matthew. Matthew, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great. John, what's up, man? How are you? Doing okay. Doing yeah? okay. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I got a beer here. Life's good. Couldn't ask for much more than that, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I could. I literally just got done watching uh, House Hunters. And I think really? it was K- KJ Wright wow. from the Seahawks was on there. And he was talking about his budget for a house. It was like $2.5 million. KJ Wright? Yeah. A linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks was on okay. House Hunters. Yeah. So I was watching that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I could have more than happiness, healthiness, and a beer. But you know what? <laughs> Who's counting he might, anyways? He might not be that happy, though. You never know. He looks pretty fucking happy, dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's, like, I He's just probably a, really happy. <laughs> yeah, I bought a $2.5 million house. And I can afford it. Yeah. You've never seen anybody really upset on a jet ski. So, <laughs> Amen you <know>. to that. Amen <laughs> That's to Daniel that. Tosh right there. Yeah. He's spot on with that. He is yep. spot on indeed. So, well, welcome everybody. Sorry for that little uh, banter right there. Like Matthew said before, whenever we get on these podcasts, the first time we say hi and what's up to each other is pretty much when we log in and say hi and what's up to each other. On yeah, the- that's so. it. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for putting up with that. Remember, as always, to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network simply by pressing subscribe on whatever platform you're currently listening to this podcast on. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Sun's Jam. We have a bunch of different topics going on today. You know, the, the world of COVID is really starting to capture a lot of names and take a lot of uh, people by storm. And, you know, it's time that we talk about some of those people and kind of what that means to the league and things of that nature. So we're going to delve into some of that. We have a few mailbag questions and uh, also a couple of other interesting stories that we want to talk about today. So thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. Matthew, do you got anything to say before I crack open this beer? I'm just freaking ready, dude. Let's do this, all All right? right, Crank it up some. Let's enjoy that beer. Let's do this. So the news came down a couple days ago that two Phoenix Suns tested positive for COVID-19. And that came from Dwayne Rankin at the Arizona Republic. And it was kind of inevitable, inevitable, right, Matthew? Inevitable it was. Um, (laughs) Two players, very mysterious. Um, Yeah, they're not releasing the names. They're not. saying that they were at what, workout sessions, right? Exactly. So that was kind of like a question I had before last podcast, like when people do catch COVID, is it going to be released from what, like what players will have it? Do you think that's going to matter when everyone's in the bubble? They're actually going to release the names of the players? Because for some reason, I think it's kind of odd because we've heard of every player having it release their names. But the Suns players, we don't have the names. Yeah, so what's the, what is the deal with that? I didn't even actually realize that till like right now. It's like every player that has it, we get their name. Because it's not a big deal. They're not going to die from it. Yeah, it just they're has just to sick. Be, they're just sick. But we don't have the players' names for the Suns. So I don't know what the deal is with that, man. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because Malcolm Brogdon recently came out and uh, said that he had COVID. Uh, a couple other players as well. But yeah, the Suns, it's like anonymous and it's a mystery. And it has us almost playing a game, right? It's like, ooh, who could it have been? Yeah. I know that Devin Booker's clear. He came out on Twitch and actually said that he was tested and he was negative. And that makes sense because he hasn't been attending the voluntary workouts at the Madhouse and McDowell. Instead, he's been playing Call of Duty and going on trips with the Jenners all over the Southwest. So he's <laughs> probably doesn't have the COVID. He might have something else. We don't know. Sources aren't telling us anything. Nothing to report here. But it does make you wonder, okay, who is it? I mean, my guess is it's got to be Mikhail Bridges or Javon Carter or Frank Kaminsky, the guys yeah. who've been linked with actually going to the Madhouse and McDowell. So, Matthew, who is it? It has to be. First of all, um, everyone eventually gets herpes. So that's just... <laughs> Do if, they? If that, yeah, eventually you will. No matter, <laughs> if you don't have it now, you soon will. <laughs> but um, I think Booker definitely... I mean, he would seem like the first person to have. I know you just said he came out and he's negative. But it has to be someone that's been practicing with McDowell. Maybe that's why, because they've been in the gym. Maybe Kaminsky or someone like uh, C4. I, don't know, I yeah. know he's been there. Mikhail Bridges. 
Um, but honestly, to me, it doesn't matter because I think everyone's going to eventually have it. And if yeah. you don't have it, I think you had it. I think eventually it's going to run through everybody's system. Uh, it's good to get it out of the way now. So are you kind of rooting for players to get it now? That way, when they actually go into the bubble, um, you know, they're kind of clear in a way to where it's not going to, they're not going to come up positive then. And if they do, it'll be fairly minimal to how many players actually do. It's such an interesting question because obviously you don't ever wish for somebody to get sick or hurt or anything, but to your point, yeah, kind of like you kind of are hoping that some of your guys catch it, run, it runs to their system. So you know that once basketball starts up, they're clear, they're immune to it moving forward. You know, it's almost like, Hey, listen, guys, everybody get together right now. We got a guy who's got COVID on the team. Let's all hang out at his place, get the 14 day quarantine done. And then we can just put that behind us. And it's interesting because almost as a society, we're starting to kind of get to that kind of thinking. We're starting to go, okay, listen, it's unfortunate that people are getting sick. As long as these people aren't dying and we have the medical capacity to take care of these people, it's going to be okay because they will recover like any other Mm -hmm. sickness that they have. And we're almost getting to that point where our society is kind of accepting it, that it's going to happen, that we are going to get sick. You look at like the NFL, for example, today. The NFL was talking about how, listen, games will go on. You know, training camp is going to start on July 28th regardless. And some people are like, well, hold on. You know, you have to put precautions in place and things of that nature. But I think that they're kind of accepting the herd immunity Uh, point of view and using it to their benefit saying hey listen if we start doing these things now and people start catching it right now by the time football comes around players are going to be fine and that's very valuable in both basketball and football they are going to be fine um but it's just the fact that it's been all over the news of course and it's the biggest thing this year and for maybe the past couple decades that has happened uh to america and all over the world so if you do get it it's not like you know you can't just blow it off just because of that reason Oh, Even exactly. if, because a lot of the times you hear a player has it like Zeke Elliott and they're just saying, yeah, I feel fine. I like a lot of them don't even have any symptoms, but they have COVID. So mm-hmm. obviously it's something that I feel like, of course, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan of sports and I want to watch sports. I'm just saying, I know these guys can play through it, but because of the way it affected the world and you know, the death count that went up past a hundred thousand, um, that's the reason why they can't, continue to play and they're going to have to be quarantined for two weeks and again i mean they're asymptomatic so they're not showing the symptoms but they can still pass it on to people who are not in as as good shape as they are you know if they have a coach who's 66 years old you obviously don't want that player going near him he really is in that kind of target zone where it could greatly affect you so yeah absolutely if they have it you know the 14-day quarantine, it's fine. And we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. I think the NBA has very astutely set up their season in an effort to kind of let COVID run its course through the league prior to the league even starting. They're getting tested right now to find out who has it, okay? So those guys can be quarantined, and they have identified who has it. And then they can do the social tracing. Okay, well, you know, let's say it is Mikael Bridges. Well, who did Mikael Bridges come into contact with? Okay, get those guys tested. And if they come up positive, okay, it's unfortunate, 14-day quarantine. Boom, those guys are kind of off the list as, and, and they're okay to play. And then by the time they start reporting to uh, Orlando, I believe it's what, July 6th or 7th, some, somewhere in there, now they're going to be in the bubble for almost an entire month prior to the season starting which allows teams to practice if guys have covid they but through social tracing you can find out who had it and who passed it on to who and those guys are quarantined so by the time the season starts the majority of the league probably is going to have have it and it's in the rearview mirror and they can play basketball as normal knowing that they're not going to be able to infect anybody else on their teams and it's actually a safer way to do it yeah, a lot of people would rather prefer to be in the bubble than they would, you know, being out here with the rest of society. But yeah, um, they that's why they got this plan so um, that's why they got the plan done so quickly and everything in place so quickly with dates set and all that. That way, like you said, they can get all of this ran through the system. Um, but what sucks is, you know, it's still going to happen to where a couple of players are going to get it in the bubble. Uh, it's just it's going to happen. But oh, yeah. when that does happen. I just hope there's not really too much of a concern just because they're all trapped there. And I don't, but there are the coaches that are elderly. And a lot of people are talking about like Mike D'Antoni, 
any, any coach that's above 50 or 60 years old, how it's going to affect them. And if they even want to be there, the coaches themselves. So that's the interesting part for me is the older people that are going to be in the bubble. But those coaches are going to have access to the best healthcare possible. So even if they do contract COVID while they're inside that bubble, they're going to have medical attention and monitoring, and they're going to catch it right away with the daily testing. So they're going to be ahead of the curve. So I think that although it would not be beneficial or uh, something that you want your coach to you know, you hear that somebody's uh, sick at the same yeah. time, they're going to have an opportunity to recover in a timely fashion as well. So I think that, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a touchy subject when you kind of see how the processes go. We want everyone to be safe at all times, but at the same time, people are going to get sick. This is what kind of the whole herd immunity theory is. And everybody gave the hospitals a chance to get ready to assist that wave of people and that's what's going to kind of happen. And we're going to see it play out in sport. I think the most important thing is they're doing the right thing by not having fans there. Cause that's where it could really go crazy. Cause now you're outside of the control of that environment that you're creating mm-hmm. when you, fans. I mean, that's why, how you mass spread this and, and you really overwhelm the hospitals and things of that nature. And again, that's why they're kind of doing uh, and they're taking the approach that they are. Yeah. Well, you also saw in the NFL today, um, they were talking about six to eight rows deep. They're going to actually blanket off the seats. So it's kind of like a distance between them and the players, which I don't, you know, a lot of these rules and stuff is stuff like I would make up to try to like, you know, if people were dying and stuff, these are the rules I would make up. You know, if there's a virus going around, just it, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me still. Like the six feet stuff, um, I'll wear a mask, of course. You know, I believe in that. Scientists and doctors are saying wear masks, so I mm-hmm. believe them. I'm doing exactly what I'm told. It's just the six feet stuff, all of that. It just, I know it has to be done, and there's no way around it, and I don't blame people for doing it, but it's just funny that they're going to be implementing stuff like that. Oh, I know. And then well, you're going to have fans behind it. Oh, no, go ahead. They're, they're, they're yeah. going to sell that those tarps to advertisers in an effort to try to make back some money like soccer right does soccer have those or was what yeah soccer's doing it right now yeah okay. or they have tarps over all the seats and they're selling advertising yeah. but in football how often do you really see the stands so it's you like don't. yeah i mean unless they like wider shots the the lambo leap into like you know the four truck <laughs> zone yeah. like i don't know it's going to be interesting to see that approach because you don't normally see the stands unless they purposely shoot for the stands because there are all the coaches and the players and then there's 20 feet behind them and then it's the stands yeah so i get what they're trying to do to your point they're trying to do the the eight feet so to ensure that their fan the fans Mm -hmm. are away from the people but i get what you're saying with the six feet thing what i find interesting about that is if i'm standing behind you in line right yeah and i'm six feet behind you and you move forward in line and I'm, i'm right and i move right up behind you and you took a breath and you breathed out right before you took that yeah. step. Then I walked into that. Is it serving its purpose? I mean, it's about not breathing the same air. That's why we're not doing social yeah. distancing, right? Or that's why we're doing social distancing, right? Yeah. But I think a lot of it is just you sitting in a space for a certain amount of time between the person for six feet. So I don't know if that has to do with it, but that's why I'm saying everyone's going to have Corona or has had it, or they're going to catch it just because I feel like it's, if we're still out and about, we're going to do things, which I don't care because I'm going to do whatever they allow me to do. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to eventually catch it. And I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore, but we still have to have these precautions, which is great, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I don't know. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I don't know. I mean, there's it's no so right weird. answer. There's, there's no not, right and answer. It's so weird how people, a lot of people are arguing like bold, like there's two sides on this. It's just, it's the whole thing's strange to me. Well, and then you throw in the fact that it's an election year and people are already yeah. at each other's throats. And it's just yeah. like everywhere you go, somebody wants to get an argument with, uh, with you about something. And it's, it's, yes. you know, well, everywhere, on, everywhere on Twitter, mostly. Oh God. I go to stores and I work all day and nothing like this has ever even talked about. We never talk about the virus at work. I don't know why. It's just nothing that it's like, sometimes I'll be like, do you want me to wear a mask when I come into your office? But you know, stuff like that, but it's not yeah. really a lot to talk. Yeah. About, my, so. my world's a lot different because working yeah, at a people- hotel, <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people coming here from other places. And so yes. we're constantly, every pre-shift I have with my team, we're talking about COVID cleaning processes, ways to keep ourselves safe, ways to have productive conversations with guests, telling them to social distance. 
Because yeah. when they start clumping together, we have to have the ability to be like, hey, folks, you need to. And, you know, it's, it's tough for, for a 19-year-old kid to have that conversation when people can be kind of rude. You know, the one yes. thing that I've noticed is for the most part, everybody's compliant and just happy to be on vacation and have an opportunity to hang out at a, at a pool, at a resort. You know, so they're like, hey, if I got to do this and I got to do this, I can do that. But every now and then you get the person who's like, they got to tell you your, their political view on the whole situation. You're like, Hey, listen, yeah. folks, you know, I need you to, you're kind of clumping together here. I need you to six feet apart. You're like, we have a water slide and I've got green dots going up the water slide that are six feet apart. So I got to yeah. tell people like, Hey, just stand on the green dots. And some guys like, you know, well, this isn't very American. It's like, okay, sir. You know, thank yeah. you. You know, thankfully I'm wearing Come sunglasses on. and a mask and he can't see me like roll my eyes and stick my tongue out at him. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, but again, you know, I think, it's just, it's strange times, day in, day out, week in, week out. I still am impressed that we've done a podcast through these times, man, because it's been fucking weird. Uh, it, it definitely has. And at the end of this whole time we've been talking, we still, I don't we still have no idea yeah, about I any mean, of it. And, and you can't turn to the news because they're only going to tell you half of the story or their yeah. side of the story. You know, it's like every time I turn on the news or I, something pops up on Twitter where ABC 15, our local ABC affiliate will tell you how many people tested positive for coronavirus yesterday. Yeah. And they'll do it in big, bold letters. It's like, well, tell me how, uh, how many people were tested. Like, I understand that people are yeah. catching the coronavirus in Arizona. And I understand that a lot of people are, are, you know, kind of looking at Arizona in a microscope right now because the media keeps saying, these numbers are rising. These numbers are rising. And don't get me wrong. Arizona is not doing itself any favors when you go to Old Town Scottsdale and there's a bar open on a Saturday night and there's, you know, 200 people in there. I get it. You know, nobody, you know, people aren't doing their part and that's why these numbers are rising. But at the same time, we're also testing more than we ever have. And if you literally just go to the Arizona uh, Department of Health Services, azdhs.com, and you look at the total number of cases by day since March 1st, you can see it goes up just with those numbers. So people probably had it before and yeah. they just weren't tested. So, I mean, it's just, again, it's the, the tough thing right now is trying to avoid misinformation or half information and just trying to, you know, one think for yourself and two, be understanding that other people have other opinions and respect those. Cause that's the other side of this. Like, I think that's what kind of started this little rant for us is just, you know, people are just, they're mean about it. They want to start an argument, whether it's about COVID, whether it's about politics, whether it's about Black Lives Matter, everybody just wants to be at each other's throats right now. It's like, it's like I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, man, like just do unto others, man. Just try to be nice to everybody right now. We could all use it. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, sorry, just one more thing. Um, and the whole thing is no one even knows how to like, I know the whole mask thing started now where it's like, you have to wear a mask. We've had studies that have proved that wearing a mask, you know, it's, you have a slimmer chance of catching it yeah, or giving it to others. Exactly. And no one's really known like what to do. Like they have no idea what to do during this whole time, but we just try to listen to what people are telling us, but still it's like, I don't just don't go outside. That's all it was. So, well, you know, the, the Brooklyn Nets did unto others this week and they actually signed former Phoenix Sun Tyler Johnson. So he's actually going to go to Orlando with the Brooklyn Nets and play for that team. And, you know, it, it makes me happy to, to see that Tyler Johnson is being picked up by another team. I know yeah, he didn't have the best performance here this year. He did decent at the end of last year, but he was always a solid guy and a good teammate. And uh, he, he did it right. And it's nice to see him yeah. get picked up. And you knew he would. Definitely. What a great fit, too, I think. I know they don't have Kyrie playing, of course, and mm -hmm. KD's going to be out, but – just to have him play at the point, even if he doesn't play, as some guy on the bench, he was always my favorite player, I feel like, in the locker room. Even though I wasn't in there, you can always just tell he was the guy that, you know, players uh, players liked and they got along with him. He was always a great friend, it seemed like, and uh, a good fan favorite. Uh, very strange year for him with the Suns. I just don't understand what the hell happened. Uh, I feel like a lot of stuff got in his head this mm -hmm. year and uh, or this last year. But uh, he's a, it's a great, I can see him being a net. So yeah, looks good. I feel like he'll look good in that uniform. Some players don't, um, I don't know what it is with me, but for some reason I can see him in that uniform. Yeah. I think you bring up something interesting is he really had a hard time this year. And I think it's cause he just had a hard time finding his identity 
on this team. You know, he was always a backup two guard, even in Miami. He was starting a bunch and playing some one. And the, and the way he played this year, he didn't know if he needed to be the offensive backup to Devin Booker or be of a distributor. And he got he kind of got caught in between. You know, never yeah. never a fantastic defender, but somebody who you kind of relied on to get points. And he was one of those guys who was a black hole. I mean, it got to the point where you'd pass him the ball and you weren't getting it back and he was going to shoot it, you know, whether it was a high percentage shot or not. So, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him here in Phoenix. But, again, like I said, I think he's going to look uh, – like you said, I think he's going to look great in that Brooklyn Nets jersey, and I'm, I wish Tyler Johnson nothing but the best. Yes. God bless. So I saw this question pop up, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I haven't really thought of this. Uh, do you think that seeing as Kelly Oubre is not going to be going to the Orlando bubble to play for the Phoenix Suns, that we've seen him play his last game as a Phoenix Sun? uh yeah i think so you the really more, think so i really think so i'm like almost 100 percent on this i don't know what it is it's a gut instinct for me i just feel like it'd be really strange to see him on this team next year i know he brought a lot to the team this last year and definitely improved across the board with the stats but definitely the energy dude on this team i mean we don't have to i don't even have to mention that everyone knows that but for him to be his son next year, I think something's going to happen where we're going to make a trade. And we've been talking about it this whole, whatever this off season is or whatever. <laughs> this um, this mid season off season. Yeah. So any, any kind of trade or any kind of, you know, anything that's popped into son's fans heads or even like into the media's head, it's always usually Kelly Oubre getting traded. I know there's trades for Devin Booker, but anything that the Suns, if they want to get anything good back, Kelly Oubre is always the one involved. So if the Suns are going to make a move this offseason, which I would be happy with either way, but I just got, my gut is telling me, just like LaMelo Ball is going to be a superstar, that Kelly Oubre won't be a Sun next year. Unfortunately, I agree with you because you look back at every time we have a trade talk on this podcast, and we always end up trading Kelly. And it just makes sense financially. It makes sense in the long term, seeing as he only has one year left on his contract. And I think that his value is, is such that somebody would trade for that contract. Uh, yes. You know, one of those big name teams who he, he, that's where he's going to end up. You know, he's, if the Suns trade him, it's not going to be to the Brooklyn Nets. Well, maybe they got too much payroll, but I mean, <laughs> I honestly think that there's a, a team out there where they're going to want Kelly Oubre and we're going to get some assets out of it. The question is, what are those assets going to be? We've discussed it numerous things throughout our time here on the sun's jam session podcast. And if any one of the things we discuss happen, I'd be happy. Hopefully uh, James Jones makes that happen. It's not like two future first round picks and a backup mm-hmm. power forward or something. I don't know. There's yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. I don't think it would be something to help us this next year. Uh, immediately. It's not going to be anything we have to wait for. I really don't think unless we get picks back to include in something else that another trade to for a player that can help us right away. I saw this on Reddit earlier today, and this was uh, one of those AMAs, Ask Me Anything threads. Yeah. It says, I am a former Suns employee ready to share stories and experiences from my years with the team. A little background, I worked for the team just over five seasons as a a security guard, took the job while in school looking to make necessary connections to one day advance within the organization, but the sports entertainment field is highly competitive and it never worked out like I hoped. I spent game days down on the floor around players, coaches, and front office staff and have accumulated quite a bit of stories that I'm ready to share, so let's do this. So did you read through these, these questions in this thread? I didn't even see this till right now. Oh shit. <laughs> I, I am so sorry. You know what? When we had this thing uh, set up or when you put the Kelly Oubre thing, I thought this was a link to something for him. And I just opened it right now. I'm like, Oh man, you want to oh, go, yeah. go through some of the questions? Yeah. No, these are, yeah. <laughs> Cause this is awesome. Matthew coming in prepared. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Good stuff. So here's one question. Uh, and by the way, this guy's name is <laughs> AZ gray bill 12 on reddit that's his reddit username and he had one question somebody asked who's the friendliest player and who's the least friendliest player and he started in march of 2015 so you get a lot of questions about the ryan mcdonough era and even people are asking a bunch of questions about you know going as far back as d'antoni and is jay rich the parent to nash's kids and he's like listen that was before my time but he does have some insight about March 2015 on, so about for the last five years. And he says, the friendliest Suns 
players in his time were Leandro Barbosa, Alan Williams, Jared Dudley, and Javon Carter. Every one of those guys I can see as being super friendly because they seem like great teammates and great bench guys. Yeah. Least yeah, that's their job. Yeah, I mean, they're, that's, that's their role. And they, you know, Javon Carter seems like a solid dude. He mentions earlier in here that, like, Javon Carter, every time he comes to the arena, he shakes his hand, asks how he's doing, just like stand-up guy. And I love having those guys on the team. Dude, so <laughs> I was actually just reading through this. There's actually one where um, he talked about the worst experience. Did you have that one? Yeah. Well, worst this, experience on the job? Yeah, well, this kind Sorry. of plays into it because he says the least friendliest yeah. son of all time was Trevor Ariza, no shocker. Friendliest non-son was MPJ, so Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. or Rajon Rondo. And the least friendliest son of all time was Boogie without a doubt. And then he talks about a Boogie story. Do you want to read that one? Or at least a little, yeah, give, give us well, a little uh, insight well, he, into that one. He says, well, I mean, Boogie, he was on the Warriors at the time, and he doesn't even really mention too much. He just says it was involved with the running with Boogie. Long story short, he got into it with a fan, and lots of people had to get involved. So I, who is this guy? And I had to talk to the league staff of what happened and got involved. And this regular, relatively long investigation, I, dude, it was not pleasant. So – I mean, we didn't get really much about what the hell happened, but yeah, just what could that even? He just says that he's a big dick. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder what happened. See, the thing is with me with players, I always think like they always have their side. Just like the Trevor Ariza thing, where they said like he's not the friendliest. But what is his story? Why is he? Why does he hate the? Why did he hate the sun so much and being here? Like, what happened to him? Is he just that way, or do you think like we seriously were just that bad of a place to be at? I think it's a combination of both. You know, he was a guy who was looking for some money and a quick ticket, and he decided to sign here without coming yeah. here. And then he showed up, and he instantly regretted his decision because the workout facilities dated, uh, the arena was dated, and then you couple that with like, you know, the Ryan McDonough era and what's the front office and everything that's going on around the Phoenix Suns organization. And, you know, it's like yeah. you going and applying for a new job. And without you ever meeting anybody at that job, you do a phone interview and then you show up and you're like, oh, whoa, this is uh, a dilapidated building and my boss is a prick and I don't want to work here anymore. So I yeah. think that you take that, anybody in that situation is going to be frustrated, but you still have to treat people nicely. And I think that's where the personality side of Ariza is something that is probably less than desirable, especially based on the fact that this security guard said that he has, in his time working as a Phoenix Suns, and uh, Talking Stick Resort Arena security guard that Trevor Ariza was the most rude Phoenix Sun. Yeah, understandably, but I mean, I would cry and I would get the crying done and all that, the frustration out in the garage, and then yeah. just come in and be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I guess, I guess there are dicks in the world, and we just have to deal with them. But I always just want to know their side. So, but was there anything else you saw in here that was interesting? I know there was like a run-in with Aaron Rodgers and his girlfriend at the time, but. Yeah, that was one that he was talking about at a concert. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite questions was asked by Flashpoint. And he said, what does Gerald Green smell like? Ooh, see, that's <laughs> something I would ask. <laughs> <laughs> and his answer was, I wish I could say unicorns and rainbows. By the time I got downstairs to work in the floor, he was no longer a son. So I have no idea. So we'll never know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but They have to smell so good though, right? Oh, All those yeah. players. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially after a game. Yeah, you know? yeah dude. But, so he was working the court, so he probably, you know, he probably saw a lot of stuff that he doesn't even talk in here. But it's a really good, if you're bored, go to the Suns Reddit thread. And it's just a, a uh, ask me anything thread about a former security guard. And he totally opens up, you know. He talks about some girl who was, uh, you know, after the games would just kind of, she was very uh, not well-dressed, and she was asking people, around her who the players were and then she'd go up and say hey good game like wink at him and stuff and like she yeah. hit on al mccoy and you know nice. it's like i'm like yeah these uh this is good stuff i want to yeah. hear more about that stuff yeah just read <laughs> just read the article it's fantastic okay i definitely will oh uh, there was just one more thing he talked about did uh there was a question asked did the racist reporter ashley neville ever go to games and if so how was she but he says that he doesn't remember her but he remembers gina mazell <laughs> quite often and he enjoyed her work so yeah that's like that's, that's sad story. For everybody right yeah <laughs> I, I wish gina was still with the athletic because did you see her last article 
No, you know, I saw that you, I, did you repost it? Or did yeah, you, I tweeted it, yeah. Well, was that her, like, last article that yeah. came out with the gorilla? Yeah, so they were doing okay. mascot week with the athletics, so she put together an article, and then they let her go, but they still released her last article, and it's just such yeah. a fantastic read. It's about the origin of the uh, Suns gorilla, and essentially how the guy who originally was the Suns gorilla, and I forget his first name, but it's uh, his last name's Rojas, and how the gorilla became a metaphor for putting a mask on. And that's how so many, so many of us approach our lives every day. Cause he's out there, he's entertaining the crowd and he's having a good time, but, but everyone's cheering the gorilla. They're not cheering him. And so every yeah. night you got to take off that mask. And, and he uses that as saying, you know, addiction is a mask and, and all these different uh, uh, wow. substance abuses and these things. And so he goes to different community homes and things of that nature throughout the Valley. And he, and he shares this, uh, this story it's just, it's so good. It's such a good read. Yeah, I'll have to take a read. I mean, I'll have to take a look at it. Yeah, I, so people listening, uh, you have to like read Reddit. You have to read Gina Mazel's story on The Athletic. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, Man. I'm giving everybody a bunch of homework assignments. I'm sorry. But do you know how the gorilla actually first started, like I, his first appearance of the Suns? I do. It's in the so, story. Is it? Okay, I'll read it. Yeah. I'll just read it. <laughs> well, do you, oh, do you, do, you, do you not know? No, I do know. Um, oh, if this share was true, with the crowd. I heard at the on the Dan Levitard show, really random, but they talked about how someone had a one of those um, birthday grams or whatever, where a gorilla came in and they let him stay, and that's how it became the Suns Gorilla. Yeah, essentially, somebody in the crowd hired a birthday gram and wanted him to dress up as a gorilla to like surprise somebody in the crowd. So while yeah. he was there people were kind of like cheering him on and he was started dancing around and then the Phoenix Suns hired him on because of it because he got the crowd going and it was funny because you read this article and it's talking about a lot of his antics when he first started would be like a fan so if the Suns were not playing well he wasn't out there saying like make noise he was sitting there like kind of put his hand on his head and shaking his head like a fan would <laughs> and that's you know what his appeal was is he was one of us did that no it's good i'll have to give that a read um my apologies uh two things i didn't do was read that and, and do homework for the reddit thing <laughs> amina hassan he was on the dan lebitard show again he's you actually on the dan lebitard show yeah it's really good it's it's kind of like the way it hit me it's very different and the way it hit me was kind of like the first time i listened to like sublime like okay. it was just a different kind of weird soury, t- soury, soury <laughs> taste in my mouth. And like, I just didn't know if I liked it or not, but I had to give it a few tries. And then it took me like a couple weeks and I got into it. And once you're into it, it's like a different world. Uh, just a great show. All the characters in it, everyone that's in it. Um, but Amina Halson, he used to work for the Suns uh, back in 2009, 2008. I think he started that year at working basketball operations for the Suns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was on the, the local hour and he was talking about right now, it seems like he's going to be on there a lot talking about the Suns and just great stories. And he mentioned some stories. I think I mentioned the Super Bowl uh, with yeah. Shaq. You know, I mentioned that with Terry Porter. We were so surprised that he, Terry Porter coached the Suns, but he talked about too, how Goran Dragic and Robin Lopez were on the teams with Terry Porter, but never got to play. They were very like, uh, they didn't have the confidence to really be on the floor and make things happen because Terry Porter didn't give him the opportunity. And when Gentry came in, he talked about how Gentry got the team back to the run and gun sons to -hmm. where they came out after the all-star break, they averaged 140 points. And he talked about Dragic and basically turning him into almost an all-star, but a starting point guard in the league where he told him, he's like, Hey, don't, Mine, because I guess he was so scared of Terry Porter pulling him out of the game, Dragic was, that he wouldn't focus on the game. But Gentry really made it like permanently stoned into his mind, just telling him like, hey, if you don't focus on the game, even if you're turning the ball over, if you're not keeping your head in the game, I'm going to take you out. And basically did the same thing with Robin Lopez, gave them an opportunity to play. And it was just interesting to hear because they didn't make the playoffs that year. Obviously, they won the 48 games mm-hmm. and they – you know, they didn't have enough wins, even though they had seems like now in the NBA is plenty of wins to make the playoffs. But going into the next year, they had like that the young and the old team kind of meshed well together. We had Steve Nash, Amari, uh, Shaq was gone after that year, but then you had Dragic come on and Robin Lopez. And I just remember watching the playoffs, especially in 2010, 
and just those guys being such a big factor mm-hmm. and it just made me think like how many players you think are just playing for the wrong coach i know we hear that a lot but in this instance it just made me think of like how many players i'm not going to say like dragon bender or marquis chris maybe they are but who's just playing for the wrong coach so i don't know if you had like any what did you think about the story and did you ever hear that before like anything about gentry coming in and helping Dragic and robin lopez along I've never heard anything about it, but it makes complete sense. You know, Terry Porter was a guy who kind of ruled with an iron fist and instilled fear. And he was, that's how he was as a player when he played for the Portland Trailblazers. He was a defensive guy who yeah. was very intense. And it's, it's hard to play for those kind of guys, especially if you're afraid that if you make one mistake, you're pulled and there goes your night. So you can't play loose and you can't play uh, effectively if you're trying to – or if you're always having to look over your shoulder, making sure that the coach isn't, you know, giving you the stink eye. So I haven't heard that story before, but you do pose an interesting question. Like, you know, what players have ended up with the wrong coaches? You can think about that as players ended up with the wrong organizations too. You look at a lot of guys who've been really successful, get drafted later in the draft and end up with class A organizations. Look at the Spurs. The Spurs are like the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals consistently have the best farm system in the bigs. And that's because it starts at a ball. The culture yeah. of that entire organization is streamlined and uh, effective in taking young talent and making it productive. So you have some great players. Like I was listening to the redraftables the other day and they were talking about Michael Beasley. Now, Michael Beasley never really panned out. You know, he's played like 600 career games, but he never was really that superstar that he was projected to be back in the, oh, I think it was 09 draft, 08 or 09 draft, the one with Derrick Rose. And I think part of that is when he initially got drafted, he didn't fit into the culture right away he, you're when you're drafted first second or third overall you're typically going to a team that's in turmoil unless they've had like injuries like the gold state warriors have this year they're a team that's struggling in more than one factor not just wins but culture and coaching and all these different things so there's a lot of guys you know you said it marquis chris dragon bender all these guys i honestly feel if we had a different coach other than jay triano earl watson uh, Igor Kokoshkov. I honestly think that these guys probably would have res- responded better yes. as players. Cause again, you look at Monty, Monty is really changing that culture of this team. And that's why we're so goddamn excited about the Suns. It's because there's actually a culture here that's building and a reputation that's building. And that is what attracts players. And that's what gets you out of the doldrums of the lottery and into the playoffs. If we weren't lucky enough to have Monte now, I really wish we just would have kept Gentry. I loved him so much. I loved. I just Gentry thought too. he was great, especially getting to the playoffs and as close as he was to what D'Antoni built. But he came in a year and a half and got the team back to the Western Conference Finals. I just I don't know what happened, and that's why I love the Pelicans because they have a great roster. The yeah, and they got Gentry, <laughs> and they got Gentry. It's like and Zion. It's yeah, it is the best team. I cannot wait. Besides the Suns, they're because usually the Blazers are my second favorite team. Yeah. I think the Pelicans now are my second favorite and I just miss Gentry a lot. That's a great question. Who's your second favorite team? And I got to agree. I love the Pelicans. Yeah. I There's not them. one player you hate, even Lonzo ball. We no. always, we well, love Lonzo ball. I enjoyed Lonzo ball. I enjoyed Brandon Ingram, all these guys who I didn't like them because they played for the Lakers, but I respected their game. Yes. Once they all went to the Pelicans, I'm like, Oh cool. I can like them now. You know, Kawhi Leonard's exactly. a great example. I love Kawhi Leonard. I hated him when he was on the Spurs. I didn't hate him, but I disliked him because he played for a team that I can't stand. But once he went to the Raptors, I'm like, oh, cool. I can like this guy now. And now he's with the Clippers. I'm like, oh, cool. I can like him now. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that way. And I also love the Pelicans logo. I think it's very smartly designed. The way that the beat comes over the basketball and the basketball is colored as such. So it looks like a basketball or it can look like uh, the feet of a uh, Pelican. So, I mean, I, I like graphic oh. design, so I always notice logos and how they're designed and things of that nature. So, but yeah, Alvin Gentry, absolutely loved him as the Phoenix Suns coach. I don't recall what the fallout was with the Suns at the time, but he's somebody who is completely respectable. And thankfully, you know, as Alhassan said, you know, he, he opened up the wheels on both Robin Lopez and Goran Dragic, both of who are productive players in the NBA today. Uh, Goran Dragic ended up being a third-team all-NBA guy. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's because he didn't have to look over his shoulder. And Robin Lopez is playing for the Bucks now, right? And he's coming in. Yes. You know, play, he plays important minutes. So, yeah, he did for the Suns. And this is gold for Suns fans. You have to listen to the local hour whenever he's on because it's basically like the Michael Jordan doc, but for the Suns. And you get the behind the scenes stuff. I know not a visual, but just the stuff he talks about. It's like you'll never hear it anywhere else. And he, He's not throwing people under the bus, but he's mentioning names and actually real shit that went down, which makes it amazing. I love it. Well, it appears we have another one. We have another one. It looks like, uh, you know, another dumb trade, man. It seems like every week we're getting another one of these dumb trades that involve yeah. Devin Booker going somewhere. And I don't know. I guess guys are just, Maybe maybe they're just bored. They're bored, but they're hungry, man. Like they want someone good on their team. They want Trey Young and they want Devin Booker in their backcourt. What team are we talking about? The Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> we didn't even tell them to trade yet. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, so this is this is coming from Bleacher Report. And Bleacher Report, for some reason, keeps coming up with these stupid fucking trades. And uh Last month, we talked about something Bleacher Report uh, put out involving the Suns and the Hawks, and they did it again. This time, they said that the Hawks could get Devin Booker from the Suns for a 2020 first-round pick, which could be the fourth overall pick. So the fourth overall pick, John Collins, Dwayne Dedman, DeAndre Hunter, and Kevin Horter for Devin Booker. That's what Bleacher Report is saying. That's a lot of guys going just for Devin Booker. What are your thoughts on this proposed trade of the week? It's so close. I feel like it's so close. Um, I'm a big fan of LaMelo, if that's his name. LaMelo Ball, if that's the right ball that's in the draft this year. Um, I mean, if that's a chance to get that guy, um, maybe. But you would have to throw in something better. Um, the only thing you can do if with getting a guy like Devin Booker is you have to put Trey Young in there. You have to. Um, I don't think there's any way around it, right? And there's you, no way that they would, but yeah, because imagine Trey Young and Devin Booker playing next to each other, though. That would be fun, and that's something like if we had Trey Young, like on the Suns, we had the same team, you know, that the Hawks. We flipped teams, yeah, and we're like, oh, Booker hasn't won anything. Really great player, uh, might be a superstar. I want him on our team. Like, what could we give up? You know what I mean? That's the way they think of it. They don't really think like. We're trying to hold on to this guy. We love him so much. I don't think they see that as much. I think they just see the unhappy Booker that might be there and might want to play with somebody else. Like, you know, um, Trey I don't Young, think who, they see that. I mean, you don't it, think so? No, because Devin Booker hasn't put any vibes out that says he's unhappy. So there's no teams out there who are saying, you know, it's not like Carl Anthony Towns, who Carl Anthony Towns, remember that game we were watching when he's like just literally walking up the court? Yeah. You know, and he's just like, I'm not engaged at all. Kind of like Kevin Love. Kevin Love was doing no, the same yeah, shit. No, yeah, Kevin Love, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, these are guys who, when they're upset, they're not, they're, they're showing you they're, they're upset. Dem Booker's been engaged. He's been uh, talking about how he wants to be here. He wants to be part of the next great Suns team. So I don't think that other teams are trying to come up with fake trades to get Devin Booker because they think they're happy that he's unhappy. I think they're doing these fake trades to get Devin Booker because they see the talent and they want him to be a part of their team. So like, Hey man, what can we do? Cause I mean, we've done kind of the same thing. It's like, all right, man, what do we got to do to get Aaron Gordon here? You know, who's not nearly on the level as, as no, Devin Booker yeah. is. Yeah. So, you know, essentially they're trading like their entire goddamn team in future to do so. Cause John Collins, Dwayne Demon, Deandre Hunter. I mean, they're going to have no front court. They're just going to have two guards. They're giving up their 2020 first round pick in this scenario, which if it is the fourth pick, Hey, the sun's going to go get Obi Toppin. If the uh, LaMelo balls off the board, but again, yeah. I mean, we're not in any way, shape or form in a rebuilding mode. We're not in any way, shape or form looking to trade Devin Booker. So nope. I'd like to thank Bleacher for report for coming up with another hit the music. Dumb trade of the week. But you know what? I think the I think other team um, fans do see that with Booker because every time I hear about Booker on a pod, it's never anything positive. It's always like who's who's the next player wants out of his city? Devin Booker or it's always Devin Booker or some other player every time, dude. But it they're trying to only three times. They're trying to create the narrative. But that's what the that's it's what the other fans hear. Though. Fact, yeah, this, this is true. The so if I heard that about this. another player, if I heard that about Cat, like remember Carlton Towns, yeah. Like, same thing. And it, like, we always wanted to get him on our team. Like everybody else, but Booker for Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, 
And that's the way we thought. But everyone in Minnesota is like, we're not giving up Carl Anthony Towns. You crazy? <laughs> so that's just the way I feel like people see it. So I don't know. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have a segment called Dumb Trade of the Week unless we saw these things like every week. So yeah. I'd like to thank Bleacher for Report for throwing another one out there for us. Thank you. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about before we go into our mailbag questions – ESPN put out this thing called worst NFL teams of the decade. And I know the St. Suns related, but this is Arizona related. And of the top five teams, two of the teams were Arizona Cardinals teams. That kind of hurts my feelings, man. (laughs) Oh yeah. Not mine. The Cowboys didn't make it. No, they're always, they're always mediocre. Yeah. They're always around eight. (laughs) August 8th is their favorite day of the year because they're eight and eight, but they had the number five team worst team of the past decade was the 2010 Cardinals. That was right after the Super Bowl, right? It was two years removed. Two years removed? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the following year after the Super Bowl, they went to the playoffs. They won the oh, West again. Yeah. They went to the playoffs. Yeah. They got their ass kicked by the Saints. And then they came out the next season and laid it All in. right. I remember, yeah. All right. Okay. So then number four team is the 2019 Miami Dolphins, which makes sense. That team was god-awful horrible. Uh, number three was the 2013 Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two is the 2012 Kansas City Chiefs, which I can't really remember how bad they were, but, I mean, maybe that's why they're on this list. But then the number one team is the 2018 Arizona Cardinals, the team that essentially was so bad that we got the number one pick and got Kyler Murray. Uh, but, I mean, I know we were bad. We were, what, 3-13 and that year. Uh, that was the, the Steve Wilkes year. But stop yeah. laughing. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I just remember you watching the Cardinals games and how depressing it would be. And, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we used to watch uh, football games together. That was the year yeah. where, I don't know if you remember, but we were playing the Carolina Panthers week two or three. And, I mean, I literally had to just, like, yeah. leave and, like, just go for a drive. I was so upset. I was so There's, upset. So we always had the big TV and, like, the little TV? Yes. <laughs> You had the little TV with an antenna, and I just remember seeing you watching the game, and like <laughs> they'd be like, "Cardinals fumble the ball," and the TV just goes out. Yeah. <laughs> like it just fizzles out because it's on. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, the way we used to do oh, it is, you man. know, whoever's team had the the bigger game would get the main the main screen. Yeah, yeah. And the Cardinals that whole season didn't have a good fucking game. <laughs> I mean, it was just yeah. Oh, what? A, but. Whew, at least you got but, Kyler Murray, man. He's my favorite player in the NFL. I love dude, that guy. I, dude, I'm telling you, I absolutely love the Cardinals. Where you imagine headed. if he would have passed up on him, dude, and got one of those offensive linemen or defensive ends. Yeah, I wanted the defensive tackle from Alabama. I forget yeah. his name because I wanted to give Josh Rosen another chance initially. But then I was like, you know what? We need to go no. with the best talent that's out there. And because I didn't want the Cardinals to make the same mistake the Suns had made yes. months before. Because they were like, listen, we're going to go with the guy who fits this team better and this organization better than I feel the, the best guy for the job. And the best guy for the job was Luka Doncic. Yeah. You know, and Kyler Murray, I mean. No, he, yeah, what fantastic. a great pick. Yeah, I love that guy, man. Fantastic. So, <laughs> but yeah, that season was just, uh, it sucks that it makes the number one worst of the decade because it's like, I'm trying to think, like, how did the Browns not make this list once? Because it's expected, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Year. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know, man. But I could see that was a rough season, man. God, I'm just going back on that awful. schedule. I remember every one of these stupid fucking games. It was so like I'm they just thinking about so driving bad. and listening to like uh, Burns and Gamble, Bickley, Murata. Just oh, it was depressing. Oh, it just it was so depressing. Like they were just about to slit their wrists, dude. Well, and make no mistake about it. Like Phoenix is a basketball town. But unfortunately, this basketball yeah. team hasn't performed well in over a decade. Because whenever the Suns are playing well, everybody gives a shit. It's all anybody's talking about. People are going to the games. People are going to the bars and enjoying you know, the atmosphere about uh, watching playoff basketball. But we haven't had it in over a decade. So the Cardinals have really done a good job of capturing the imagination of the Arizona fan. So everybody out here is a Cardinals fan, and it's great. You know, A lot of yeah. times people, people have their secondary teams come from – because of where they came from, but everybody loves the Cardinals. But yeah, during football season, when the Cardinals aren't playing well, it is some of the most depressing shit on the radio because <laughs> the Suns haven't been playing well either. So it's like, you just, I don't listen to Birds and Gambo from like November till about, you know, the, the draft, <laughs> the NBA draft. So, 
All right, stop laughing at the at the Arizona Cardinals. Let's 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 do a mailback question. How about we do that? Okay. Yeah, let's get this one out of the way, huh? It's All a right. good one. It's a good one. So we appreciate it. Again, you can always email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. And uh we might read it on the air. You know, we get a lot of the same questions. Uh I got like we three will. mailback questions this week. And I only yeah. chose one because it's one we haven't discussed before. And this is from our buddy, Shield Pad Hop 8. And he's asking if we can, who should we start, bench, cut, and trade? So you have to start one, bench one, cut one, trade one from all the Suns' best power forwards, Barkley, Amari, Chambers, and Connie Hawkins. You want to take a stab at this first? Yeah, this is easy. It goes in order. So Barkley, <laughs> start, bench, Amari, and then trade Chambers, right? Well, you have to you have to cut somebody too. Oh, my bad. Oh, God okay. damn it! Read the questions. <laughs> Your preparation for this show oh, is that uh, I give sorry, you one I'm, star. I'm dyslexic. It just bench and trade just you know merged together, so I didn't see cut. Yeah, cut. Uh, so so cut Connie Hawkins. So it does it does not go in order? <laughs> uh, yeah, you start Barkley, you bench Amari, you cut Connie Hawkins, and you trade Chambers. Yes. If anybody disagrees, I'd like to hear your argument because I think it's pretty cut and dry there. So, Yeah, because Chambers, when he was traded too, everyone was like, what the hell did Sonics trading Chambers for? So uh, he, was a, he was a free agent, the first free agent ever. Exactly. That's yes. <laughs> I am. Are you oh, sure man. you're not drinking the Woo! beers over there? <laughs> yeah, too many CBD gummies. <laughs> well, at least your muscles are relaxed, man. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, that's all we got for this episode of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Hopefully, uh, you're laughing as hard as Matthew is, and you had a good time listening. Remember that you can always follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And we appreciate you again tuning in. That's all I got to say for this show. Everybody have a great night. That's all I got. If anybody wants, check out Afterlife on Netflix. That is probably the best show I've ever seen on Netflix in my life. It is amazing. I just had to get that out there. And uh, everyone go home and love your family. Okay.